You should be the host here. I really love it, aren't you? We're both monster people, diehard monster people, and we want them to do well. The Red 78 with Alan Quinlan and Neve Briggs. Nobody knows monster rugby better. I'd like to think I know a lot. Hello and welcome along uh, to episode 27 of the Red 78. 78. I'm Alan Quinlan here on the Rugby Channel. And with me, as always, is Neve Briggs. Uh, you had a busy weekend as well, Neve. so we'll chat about that a little bit that later, about your coaching endeavor, endeavors and... Uh, a positive win against Italy, but obviously there's uh, breaking news this morning. Graham Rowntree has uh, been announced as uh, the new coach of Munster Rugby. We're not surprised, but finally it's done. We've been giving out about this for a while. Lots of people have been waiting in frustration. But um, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, look, I think it's brilliant that it's finally done. Um, I really think he's the right man for the job. Uh you know, his passion and his draw for the club is, is very much for everyone to see. I think the players love him from everything I hear. Um, the fans certainly do as well. And I just think they've kind of lost their way a small bit in terms of identity um, over the last while. And I think that, you know, he's probably the perfect person to bring in to, to recapture that. We, did, we didn't put up any tweet about this to see what the reaction is because I think it was a little bit late um, and it's probably better that people get a chance to, you know, to to process this and and kind of have their own thoughts. And sometimes reactive analysis um, can be good, but sometimes it can be bad as well. Because um, I get the feeling though that the process has taken a long time because there was a bit of uncertainty, and um, maybe Munster were looking or the RFU were looking for a big big name who's and I mean this respect very respectfully to Graham who's been a head coach internationally or um, has a lot of experience being a head coach. Graham has actually never been a head coach. He coached at Leicester assistants, England, assistant with the, the Lions, with Quinns, did the forwards with Georgia as well. So, um, look, we had him on a couple of weeks ago. He'd be first to acknowledge that he hasn't been a head coach, but this is what he wanted and this is where he wants to go. He wants to take the club forward as, as, as the head coach. What, what do you think the reaction will be from, from the Munster fans? Will they be happy or will they be saying, oh, well, we want us O'Gara or Scott Robertson or some experienced head coach? No, I think I think from briefly looking online there before we came on, people are genuinely happy. They think it's a very good appointment. I think, I think the RFU, I know we probably would have wanted us you know, to be sorted earlier. But I think they, both the RFU and Munster are probably right to, to take their time over this because I think a strong Munster and a, and a competitive Munster only serves uh, Irish rugby well. And I just don't think that they've been as competitive or as strong, um, you know, over the last couple of years. And I think that, you know, they were right to probably take their time and make sure that they got the right guy. I firmly believe that they did and they haven't, you know, we we had Graham on a couple of weeks ago and he spoke about his affinity with the club and how much the, the culture and the environment resonates with him and um, he's very settled here with his family and um, and that's really important. If you're a player, you want to play for him when you hear somebody like that. I think the big question now is who do they bring in around him? That's going to be really important. You've got to make sure that you surround him with you know, good people, good coaches, but people that really understand and get the environment and and what what it means to be with Munster and be involved with Munster. I think Munster are 
a type the type of team that they are is that they they live on um you know the history of the of the province they live on they live on that and i think that he gets that um so yeah, look, I, 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 are you not happy? I, I'm actually. No, I'm I, delighted. I just, I'm, de- that, I'm oh, delighted. Yeah. I think he, I think he's the right man, and I'll give you my reasons. I think because, um, again, we had Billy Holland on here a few weeks previous to that, and he spoke about all the coaches he's had in his career, the chopping and changing. Um, I think Graham brings continuity here, so he knows the players really well. So you can imagine if there was a new coach coming in, he's got to get to know everybody their strengths, their weaknesses, their attitude, their desire, um, who he needs to kind of pick up a little bit, who he needs to put a bit more pressure on. And that takes time. You'll know it from coaching yourself. You've got to get to know your players. And that's the the intrigue of being a coach and really managing the whole environment. How do you get a, a happy camp? But how do you push players as well and, and change behaviours? Because let's be fair and blunt about it here. Um, the behaviours have to change. Um, there has to be some progress seen. Um, I think we've seen progress at times under Johan and under Stephen Larkham, uh, but too often we've kind of gone back to the frustration and the fans have gone back to the frustration. They're the ones who voice their opinions as well. Um, so I think it's it's a big challenge for him. I'm really happy because he will know the players. But whether Graham wants my opinion or not, um, and I'm sure he'll be able to figure this out himself. He's worked with a lot of high-performance teams and he's worked right at the top with the Lions, with England, um, with Leicester and Quinns, as I said, and Georgia. Um, he has to understand now how does he, what's his relationship like now with the players, with the group? Because you'll know it. You're an assistant coach with Ireland, but you're a head coach with UL Bowes. They're slightly different roles. I think you you certainly want to, you know, have the same principles, similar principles of of, of in either role and, and get make the team better. But your relationship with the group has to be a little bit different. You have to show a bit of tough love as well. And I think, you know, in in analysing where Munster have have been in the last couple of years, Nave, I think. It's 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 a little bit unfair to blame it all on the coaching setup. I think the players have to take responsibility as well. They have to find a way to get to a different level, to get to international standard. Um, we've gone through lots of them who who potentially could do that, um, but they've got to raise their game as well, and they have to take responsibility of 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 their performances and and what they've shown us in the last couple of years, and learn from past mistakes. So. It's been frustrating period. I think um, you know Jonas got to finals and semi-finals, and uh, Munster having won a trophy. But I think it's a little bit unfair to, to kind of blame it all on the coaching ticket. I think they should be better, and the game plan should be a lot better. The challenge for Graham, as I said, going back to that, is to to kind of he has to have a hard edge here because this is a pretty ruthless situation for him and whoever he brings in with them because. Patience is kind of wearing thin, you'd imagine, with with Munster fans. Um, like- yeah, but I I do think though, even though patience is wearing thin at the moment, I I think an appointment like this will rally people back around them. I think, um, like I don't know if you've managed to go on social media this morning, but once it was announced, you know, you hear and see these, you know, we we know the the diehard fans that were, you know, constantly communicating with us through social media in relation to this podcast. 
they seem genuinely really happy. Um, and uh, and look, I think it's very poignant, you know, when the cameras went into the dressing rooms at halftime and you see Roundtree leading that halftime talk and becoming very animated. Um, I think I think he's a leader. I, I really do. And you're right, things will have to change in terms of um he definitely have a lot more in his plate and but he seems to have a really good nature about him. He's got a very good rapport with players and um, you know, his philosophy philosophy of simple is best is is so so good. I've definitely taken that into my coaching as well. But um from from listening to him whenever he speaks and um so yeah, he'll give them a hardened edge, I think. But um I think this is an appointment just because of the emotional connection that he has with his pro- with his, with the team, but with the province, the fans, I think genuinely this, that that he'll be afforded um, some patience, but also he'll definitely get a lot of no, enthusiasm behind him. Of course, of course, you can't. Um, uh, Rome wasn't built in a day, and there has there has been a bit of a rebuild on there. And like I said, Joan has done a lot of good stuff as well, um, and there's a lot of positive um, young players coming through, but. You know, I'll give you an example. When Declan Kidney, we won a um, Heineken Cup in 2008 and I, I can't remember exactly, but Declan left after that, went to Ireland. Tony McGahan took over and Tony was defence coach and skills coach for, for a number of years. Less responsibility, less pressure, um, less analysis really of, of, of your role as an assistant coach. Uh, the book stops with the head coach, so he'll get all the pressure here but also your relationship with the players. Sometimes as assistant coach, you can be laughing and joking a little bit, be closer to some of the players because essentially um, the head coach is the one who makes the decision. So that that dynamic is going to have to change for Graham. And I just, I think he, like you said, and I agree with you entirely, I love that he's passionate. Um, there's a bit of an old school approach. We, talk, we talked about the Leicester uh, dynamic that he came through I think he understands and gets Munster. Um, he has to get more talent in the team. He has to bring more through through more talent. He has to. They have to be coached better. Um, I think they need to. The one thing that keeps coming up, and we'll talk about it in a minute, and uh, the last performance against Exeter last weekend is the attack and the ability to be comfortable on the ball when you get to multi phase and having a kind of ruthlessness in attack to really punish teams when those couple of opportunities happen in a game. And too often, this team, you know, have fallen down when they've had teams in a great position to put the foot on the the, the, the accelerator and really push on and get a score. Um, so, you know, that'll be down to his appointments and and who comes in to 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 improve the attack in the team. Um, but like I said, you know, Tony McGahan, uh, I called down to Tony, chat to him on the phone, have laughs and jokes about it when he became head coach. Uh, he was harder to get in the fall, let me tell you, Neve. And uh, <laughs> he was a little bit grumpier than me. And he dropped me in 2010 off the team. Um, that hadn't happened for a few years previous. And, you know, like I understood and respected uh, what he was doing. But his whole, there's a, it's a pressure cooker. His dynamic changed and there was a lot of pressure. And Tony and myself are still friends and we keep in touch. And he did a brilliant job in Munster. But he'll admit... You know, it's a different pressure. You've got to manage now the whole environment, contracts, the training week, the travel. Um, there's a lot goes with it. But Graham is ready for it. I think he's been um, he's been in, in in rugby coaching for for a long time now, and I think he is the right man for the job. And I'm really enthused. I, I, 
yeah, and I also think, you know, now that he has us, I'd imagine, you know, he'll be able to, I'd imagine since Johan announced that he was going with Stephen, I think that, and, and Graham Rauchie is, you know, thinking that's that's a job I'd like. I'd imagine now he's starting to sit back and observe and see how things are working in the background, how the things, you know, what's done well, what's not, what he would do differently. Um, and so he's, he's probably in a really good position that he's, Still an assistant coach at Munster, but he's able to probably take little bits and snippets. It's happening in the background now so that he's preparing for. So once July first and his contract starts as head coach, um, then you know he'll probably just have a little bit of a head start. So you know, I, I do think that that's definitely something that he can use as a positive. Yeah, I think the planning now is really important. Look, obviously, they it's it's um, they've got to focus on what's coming up in the short term. Um, which we've spoken about in the last number of weeks, the, the challenges and the difficulties of these big games and how Munster will be judged in the next few weeks. You know, they have a five-point deficit, as I said, we'll chat about that in a minute. With Exeter coming, they've got Cardiff then. Then, there are, then they've got Ulster, Cardiff, Leinster, hopefully a quarter-final. They could possibly, if they get through this, this game against Exeter, it's a big if, I think, because I think Exeter will be a lot better. Um, they could potentially be going back up to, to Belfast uh, playing Ulster in the quarterfinal. Um, so there's a lot to play for, but it can change very, very quickly. And I think that, you know, now this, we, we mentioned the word continuity. Continuity now gives him a chance. He's on the ground. He can start planning um, in his bit downtime, which there probably won't be much in the next few weeks, but he can start planning about obviously who comes in and putting structures in place for, for pre-season to, to see if they can hit the ground running. Um, but I would urge, um, you know, Graham is probably close to some guys because of that l- less pressurised environment as being an assistant coach. That has to change. He's got a he's got a really kind of, not rule with an iron fist, but really improve the standards, set a really high standard that his team um because one thing, and we we have not we've not been critical of them, lack of effort. In fairness, they're honest. They try. They work hard. We saw it so much at the weekend again. The heart, the passion, and Munster fans can accept that. And I just think Graham Roundtree, for anyone listening to this who's undecided, I just think he's a great appointment. I think he will bring heart, passion, desire to that role. Um, the next step and the next challenge is who's going to come in as his assistants to improve the game plan, the structure, the skill set of the players. I think that is the challenge um, that, that that's there in front of him now. And I, and I think that's probably where the frustration lies in relation to the, you know, the time that's taken to the point, you know, are we hitting into the danger zone of good coaches already been tied up with contracts or have they signed, you know, a lot of business will have been done around that Christmas period, I'd imagine, like a player. So um, that's definitely going to be uh, uh, something that kind of will could, could hinder, you know, him getting the team that he actually really wants. But we'll just have to wait and see. If you're a Monster fan, just to finish on this, Nave, what what's acceptable to you going forward? So we'll we'll roll on twelve months time, and we're looking at Monster. What's acceptable to you? for this team going forward? I think if you're talking short term, something like a 12-month plan, then you're looking for improvements. You're looking for an attack philosophy that, um, 
gets the best out of these players. Um, I think their defence was really good this weekend, albeit a couple of mishaps that we'll chat about later. But I think we've got to see an evolution of that attack. We saw it in fits and starts this year, but we've not seen it when Munster's ruck ball is slow. We've not seen it when they're under pressure at the breakdown. And a lot has to do with the ball carrier um, into the break, into the contact area, the ability to clean out, and and that would create quick ball. But um, so yeah, I think if we're looking at um, skill set, has to has to improve hugely. I'm not talking about just the backline. I think that um, that front three, um, you know, front row of whoever's playing or the front five, they need to have an ability to to be able to play with ball in hand. The game is evolving so much now that it's not a case that, you know, you're a front five player, your job is to, to strum, to lift and line out and, and to rock over ball like a moniker. You've got to have way more in you. And um, and I think that that's going to be a huge area of focus, that front five, um, in their ability to be able to move the ball. I do think then that they've got to have an action point where, you know, They've got to have the courage and the ability to to be able to move the ball to to space. I don't think we see that very often. I felt like at times, even this weekend, we're running into bodies as opposed to space and uh, we're running one-off runners. We've got to see an evolution of that attack shape. And I think it's not going to be a case of in 12 months' time we're going to compete for trophies. I think, like, let's be very realistic here. When you look at the likes of um, Leinster and... Toulouse, La Rochelle, Ulster, for example. But, but um, I think, I think, Neve, if if to be fair, if they get a bit of fortune and luck as regards the injury front, there's seven or eight players missing at the moment. If they came back into the team, and I think they were, I'm not sure that would that would. I'm not. No, sure I, th- that I, think, would I think. I think. Catapult that attack, though. I don't think. I don't think they that would. No, no. I, I I agree with you. I think. I'm just envisaging in my head if you got a bit of luck and got into knockout stages next year and you had foundations, better foundations about where you're playing. And again, I'm sure you know this as a coach. You need kind of different game plans in your in your pocket that you can pull them out and you can change the way you play according to the weather, the opposition. Um, so, look, I hope that they get to that point. Um, I just want to see RG Snyman back in the field. I want to see him... Uh, uh, a plane, uh, Malachi Fekatau uh, being fit as well and having a big impact with Munster. And, and a lot of these young players are, you know, it's very exciting. Look, we'll just say we know Graham listens in on occasions. I'm not sure he'll be listening today or tomorrow <laughs> because it's going to be a lot of press uh, press uh, requests for him. But uh, congratulations, Graham Roundtree. I think you're the right man for the job. And uh, just because you came on the podcast a few weeks ago doesn't mean that we're not going to analyse you very, very strictly going forward. But look, I'm glad it's done, Neve. I think Munster fans are frustrated. Um, and hopefully it's onwards and upwards from here. Um, there's no point in looking back. And I hope, I really do hope, and I'll finish on this, I hope that no matter what happens, that we acknowledge that, you know, even though there's there's a disappointment and probably a frustration the last few years with with the end of the season stuff that Johan van Graan and Stephen Larkham are acknowledged and, you know, we're respectful for them um, when they leave at the end of the season. So hopefully, you know, they can they can go out on a high. It's going to be a very tall order because uh, unless they get some players back. But look, you never know, a little bit of luck. Just we'll move on to uh, back to the regular scheduling and I just want to have a quick chat with you before we move on to quickly analyse the Exeter match and, and look ahead to the weekend. 
um, and some of the fans' reaction. Your game at the weekend, I said it to you last week, there must be a real sense of joy and happiness within you and obviously the whole camp, getting a performance, getting a result, uh, particularly after the disappointments of the first two weekends against Italy at the week- on Sunday. Yeah, look, it was huge. I think um, I think the the overwhelming emotion afterwards it was a relief. You could see it in the girls; they were they were thrilled. Um, it was brilliant, uh, brilliant atmosphere in Cork. Uh, we definitely love to make that our home for sure. Um, I think they really enjoyed their few days down there. Um, but yeah, look, I think um, that will give them a huge boost of confidence that we're going in the right direction. I think sometimes when you're um, training really hard and, and doing lots of work and you're not getting the fruition of it um, it can be difficult to to kind of keep telling them that they're improving um, so um, I'm just delighted for the players they worked really really hard after the, the French game and come into campus again this week really hopping off the ground and, and looking to, to right some wrongs and, and everything that we kind of asked look it wasn't by any means perfect and that's the, the coach of me who's uh, poured over that game all day yesterday, and and really, and what's excited me so much is where we can go with this because uh, I think that was very much just the tip of it. But yeah, look, it was brilliant, brilliant to see so such a big crowd down there, um, and brilliant for for that group of players because uh, for a lot of them, they've had a huge amount of disappointment over the last twelve eighteen months. So to be able to to go and get a win, um, you know, after. A tough couple of weeks, you're right, um, was huge for them. Were, were, they, were they in any way fragile coming into camp last week uh, after the, the you know the two disappointments against Wales and France? No, would you believe they weren't? They were really focused. They were brilliant. Um, you know, <clears throat> Rob Sweeney, was, our scrum coach, was, was ill, so John Fogarty came in and they got a big boost out of that. And he was really, really good. Um, I learned a huge amount of them over the three or four days. But not only that, I think Greg's game plan was just on point. Um, you know, he, his method of coaching is so good. He instills a huge amount of confidence in the players. And and for me, it's a big, big learning curve this weekend and how he trip feeds information. You know, as a coach, I'd have walked in there and just been like, okay, this is what we need to do. Bang, 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 bang. Whereas he made it, he made it almost, you know, that they were almost thinking of it themselves and it was brilliant. Um, and they really bought into it. So they weren't on the floor or anything. They actually, I think the change of venue coming out of Dublin, coming down to Cork was really good because it was just something different. Um, and yeah, look, I, I do think it was just, it was just a really good um, performance from an emotional point of view, connection point of view. I felt like we started to see combinations work really well. I thought obviously the scrum, you know, getting that scrum penalty was huge, especially after the morning they took against France and uh, thought Nicole and Stacey did really well. I thought the back three did phenomenally well. I thought Catherine Dane marshalled everything. So all these little things just, you know... Would it, would it, would it enthuse you, Neve, to look at a game like this and really believe that the players can do execute and that what they've got to learn is how do you execute against the better, stronger, more physical teams? I think that, that for me, that would, would give you reason for optimism in a sense that it's not that they can't catch pass. It's not that they can't win the line out. It's not that they can't scrum much. It's just getting a little, trying to find improvements in those areas against the stronger teams. Um, yeah, that absolutely. You that, 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 that opportunity is there to get better. Yeah, hugely, I think. And, Look, it's going to take time. I think we're also got to make sure that they have the rugby knowledge to understand, you know, 
what the flow of the game like that's something that we've got to work on and that can only be worked on in international games at that intensity unfortunately because you know it's it's difficult to replicate that at training um but i felt like that we every week we've learned something um in terms of our development as a group um and individuals have improved on developments that you've asked um from their review so um yeah look hugely enthusiastic i think came away out of that drove back to limerick on sunday evening and really like uh, bouncing in terms of in my mind the hamster was it was going and I was really excited but then yesterday when I look back at the game I was like gosh like you know I know we won and we got a bonus point but I feel like there's ways there's just so much more in this group and and so from that point of view it's definitely enthusiastic. me Okay you've uh, you've a handy one next away to England uh, so anyway, we'll talk to you about that one next obviously that is a joke England are, are at a different level but um, anyway, it's a challenge that hopefully the girls embrace and that uh, you can look forward to. Um, okay, we're going to move on. We'll try and double up here on analysing and looking forward all in one swoop here. You have some tweets from the weekend there because, as always, we look for reaction um, as to um, you know what what the fans think of of uh, of the performance. Uh, we want you to get involved. You can tweet us at Rugby Channel Fifteen or either of us at our personal Twitter accounts or give your thoughts on what you think because uh, we want to give the fans a voice here. So you have some tweets uh, from the weekend. A lot of the same stuff keeps cropping up again and again. Yeah, hugely. Look, I, I'm not even going to read out individual tweets because they're actually all the same. I think um, a lot of them spoke about the defensive effort and how good it was. Um, and they're absolutely right. I thought it was outstanding. Um, but more so than that, it was probably our lack of creativity and um, and our attacking shape just, you know, we struggled with at times. And um, uh, yeah, I think they, we spoke about the 15-13 the man advantage. There wasn't even when they were down to 13, we didn't have a huge amount of variation. I know we camped on their line for a few minutes, but I just thought that we were not naive. I just think that we need to be a bit smarter in how we went about what we, we were going to do won, there. We could have won the game, Neve. We could have won it. Exeter could have won it. We also could have both lost it in terms of like really properly lost it. And I think that was just a really weird kind of um, uh, synopsis afterwards. Um, but we could have, and that's the thing. And I think um, you've got to be confident that five-point turnaround, considering how I thought flat we kind of looked at times in the first half, that you've got to take that into its own part and be really positive that, you know, Exeter, you know, dominated territory, the dominated possession in terms of um, attacks into our, um, our defensive zone and, and came away with so little points at times just due to our phenomenal defensive effort I thought Murray was excellent couple of, a, poach, a poach on the on the goal line was outstanding I thought Jack McDonough who was like one of his best games I'd seen for I think just having a brilliant season I, I still can't understand why he wasn't playing against Leinster the previous week I thought John Hodden was phenomenal defensively as well two or three turnovers is, um, so there's a huge amount of positives there that, you know, that Keith Earls try save and tackle I think um, you know if Munster go and do the job this weekend it'll be because of that I think five points of a deficit going into a 12 point deficit would have been um, a much bigger picture and a, a different conversation so um, we've just got to see more creativity I think one out runners um, off nine is very easy to defend I think Exeter will be happy to come to Thornwell Park and, and feel confident that if that's what we're going to continue to do that they'll be able to match up in that in that area so we just have to see something a little bit different Yeah so that's a kind of really the kind of 
uh, what you're getting from all those tweets and the reaction. I think there's a bit of frustration there. And uh, one of the words that keeps coming up is the attack, attack, attack again and again and again and again. Um, and look, we've no quick fix solution here. I think they're trying to be expansive. They're just not comfortable sometimes when they get into and not ruthless enough to execute. I think um, there's an ambition there to try and move the ball a little bit. But um, maybe we just have to accept it's um, it's work in progress and hopefully some of the passes will stick this weekend because I think if Munster try and contain Exeter and try and... They've got to be brave and go for this a bit. Obviously, these are unique fixtures because they're about points where Munster are five points down. Um, and let's be honest, Nate, from the weekend, Butcher is... a. Uh, is a big word to say Exeter butcher chances because to, the defence was incredible for Munster, but they had so many opportunities, I think, and probably at times when they were picking and going that if they moved it, a couple of passes could have scored. So I think they'll, Exeter will certainly feel, and I think that was the feeling that I had after the game and listened to some of the interviews and, and Rob Baxter, who was frustrated and given out about the referee. I think the two yellow cards were... There was no debate with him. Mm. Um, the the swinging arm and then uh, stripping the ball on the ground close to Munster's line. No debate, really. I think there's no debate. So that was maybe just a frustration that he was talking about after the game. Munster had such a brilliant, brilliant opportunity. And I'm sure that players will have seen this during the week. Um, they will be showed it on the videos. Um, a couple of passes and they score. Um, mm. Craig, Craig Casey goes for the try well if that goes through the hands it's a try outside I always say if you can go close to the line you better score when there's an opportunity mm. if you don't you're wrong So that was such a big momentum changer for me I thought um, yeah I, I thought that was I thought that was a, uh, that was a huge momentum changer um, and there was, a, there was another one with Mike Haley as well Nave, where mm. you know he cuts back inside where if he puts it through the hands Damien Dialinde started swinging his hands once had three on one outside him put it yeah. through the hands there like it's just making those decisions under pressure seems to be an issue for these players and they have to learn and for themselves okay for themselves that you know there's no point in looking back in the video every Monday morning and saying well if we did this if we did this if we did this we would have scored they've got to start reading the game better themselves and becoming kind of students of those attack situations where they just know exactly what to do in that situation under pressure and I think if if Munster lose this weekend or they don't close that scoreline they will they could really regret that kind of period of time and on on close to that Exeter line where they were given a lifeline. Let's be honest here. They were physically um, kind of under so much pressure throughout the game. They stood up and I thought, you mentioned Hodnett was was outstanding. Jack O'Donnell, outstanding. Conor Murray um, was brilliant. Um, Exactly the type of scrum half you want on when you're under so much pressure because he makes so many tackles and he got a brilliant poach as well. Um, but he, he also couldn't have done any more in attack and this is what frustrates me about this Murray Casey debate I think we see Casey coming on full of energy and you know we we automatically assume that the tempo and the ball is better it's, it's, it's not really it's a lot to do with the breakdown and the fact that ball carrier doesn't fall the right way the, the, the two clear outs 
um, don't clear the threat. They just kind of park over the ball at times. And it makes it really difficult. And I think, I thought Murray was really good this weekend, considering that he had a young out half outside him, um, a young back row-ish in front of him, and that they were missing kind of like, like obviously like Omani's just that big spiritual leader of the group. And um, so, yeah, I, I for me, like he has to start again next weekend because his ability, his defensive work is so good. And I think when you're playing this, you know, this game is going to be, it's so important. You need to get a win. And, um, he's going to, you know, you need him there to be able to mop up because let's face it, that extra back three, you know, are so good in open play. Um, Murray's ability to cover the tracks is is so, so good. Um, 16 penalties and yeah. so many turnovers. If, if you know, it's just too much. Um, and yeah, you you mentioned, and, and a lot of the tweeters mentioned, the one-out runners. One-out runners against Exeter getting smashed backwards um, and then Exeter counter-rocking, which they're very good at. It continuously happened in the first half. I, like, th- this is naive from the players. They've got to change that themselves. W- w- a runner, you know, you go to the touchline and you're trying to get a runner to come back against the grain, but you want to try and get a little bit of a gain line or even coming back off the touchline. Off slowish ball and then Exeter charging out gain line tackle and then doing what France did to Ireland, just getting into great body positions, driving them back off the ball. I think you'd be better with crossfield kicks there or even putting putting the ball up in the air in that situation. Or, or even even as something as simple as a tip. Because if you're coming if you're going back get like if you're coming onto the ball from an edge, that's when the defensive line is so so is is at its most probably fullest. It's it's where they can get huge line speed. You manipulate that even a small bit. It's it's not a case that you get over the gain line there. It's the fact that you split that D. They have to fold around. It makes it more difficult for them. And it's the phase or two after that tip on pass that you start. They start to run out of numbers. And I just think that yeah, it, it just but became be, yeah but, blunt. But all, but also being much more square in your carry. There's players yeah. running at angles, so you're running side on, and you're not actually. Uh, putting the force directly towards the tackler and actually having a big collision. So, you know, so there was a lot of that. I just thought... But then you can manipulate that if... If like, with if some tip-ons, yeah. Yeah, but also if, 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 say, like an archer is running, like, right across the, the... Like, back in towards the grain, you could just go out the back of him to another forward. That just lets... Like, that sits that inside defence down that right beside the rock from Archer and also then opens up a little space behind it. And we see them do it when they get into the 22. They have one hard coming back in and they go out the back. And um, I think that that's what they've got to look at, something like that for next weekend, but just further out the pitch. Yeah, and I'm sure when they watch the, the video, they have highlighted situations like that and they've got to be better. Um, what do they need to do? We haven't a lot of time left, Neve. Um, well, th- what do they need to get right this week? The obvious one, thing, for, as I mentioned... Yeah, the penalties yeah. way too high. Penalty you cannot count. win a game with sixteen penalties. No, no, we we always say in the golden rule, you know it as well as ten. Once you get double figures, you're under awful pressure. So you're looking at penalty count for sure. We've got to look at looking more at manipulating that defensive line. I think if you're Exeter now, you're just thinking, okay, look, we let's not even compete for the ball. Let's get up and smash. They won't be able to. They don't offer anything else like that. And also from a defensive point of view, we've got to have a little bit more. Um, a protection to Chris Farrell out in that 13 channel. I thought Exeter were incredibly intelligent with how they targeted him off their starter plays. We've got to have a little bit more protection for him because he he is an incredible ball player. He carries incredibly well. And when he 
makes his tackles, they're always very dominant, but he isn't the quickest. And if he sits back in his heels a small bit, then he's offering them a huge amount of space. So we've got to get Delande out to help him a little bit more. And we've got to get a connection better with the wingers so that they're working in that tree. So that'll help help him to be more safe in the knowledge that he's not he's not defending a huge amount of space. They'd be my definitely my three things. And turnovers conceded, I think, are way too much. Um, issues at the breakdown. And to be fair, Munster turned that around in the second half. Um, so, you know, when you have someone like Dave, Dave Ewers, who got man of the match, uh, player of the match, um, Sam Skinner, uh, Jacques Vermeulen, South African, Johnny Gray, I think they put, they put Munster under so much pressure. So I think um, they've got to protect the ball so much better. And I think, they, I actually think there's a kind of a feeling there that if this was years gone by and people would be saying, brilliant, 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 five points away from home. You know, we we went to Clermont back in my day and we got losing bonus points and we and we thought this was an incredible result and it was in those times. I just think we should not underestimate, um, look, Exeter should have won the game by more. That's the reality. Yeah. Munster could have won it in that period that we spoke about. And Exeter, you know, will, even though they're not haven't been as strong this year as they have in recent, in previous years, they won this competition two years ago. A lot of good players. They got players back from injury and they will really fancy their chances going to Tolman Park. So um, the crowd are going to play a massive role, I think, and really need to understand that they've got to get behind the team. Um, the t- they're not going to win the match for Munster, once you've got to come out and, and really limit the mistakes and be so much more disciplined and protect the ball and um, and do it against the odds. They had illness and in so many injuries last week, so um, they've got to step up to the plate this week. Yeah, hugely. And I, and to be fair, you know, it's something that we've been saying for a while now, but I thought the bench made a huge impact. I thought um, Thomas Harm was excellent. Um, and I thought that Craig Casey obviously moved the ball well, just needs to improve his decision making around that scoring zone better. But um, I think that we've got to need, we need to see that impact. Um, hopefully, Candelan comes through the week. Okay, I was disappointed to see him go off because I think he can definitely be somebody like a, a, a Dave Ewers or a Sam Simmons that can get in over the over the extra ball. Um, so yeah, look, I think it's just going to be a case of like how do we we parachute Romani back in if he's training this week. Um, do we start Tom Zahern? Like, let's just, I, I think they can just throw, throw caution to the wind because uh, I, d- I definitely think that they can they can win this game. They just got to nail down those two or three areas that we spoke about there um, and, and just be more clinical. Uh, they've got to get the scoreboard ticking over and uh, yeah. you know get it back to level and points difference. So Munster have to get the first five points or close that gap. There's no guarantee yeah. and man- manage the scoreboard. They're different games, need because they're cup games. So yeah. you've got to take your penalties. Some people came up to me last weekend and a couple of days saying, well, Munster should have kicked their penalty and make it 13-11. Um, but it's easy to say that in hindsight. I just think, um, I really hope there's a, there's, there's, I hope their European kind of journey doesn't end because, you know, they won four from four in the pool stages. And I just think that, there's an opportunity for them to go another couple of steps here if they can yeah. get some players back and get through this weekend. But there'll be probably people, a few extra uh, spies on listening to us here, seeing if we can give uh, the extra team any ammunition. I'm the first to acknowledge that this they're incredibly resilient, they're incredibly powerful. 
and if they you know they'll really fancy their chances going to Tolman Park but let's hope from a Munster point of view that we can have one of those special days again a lot covered there Nave. Graham Roundtree is the man to take us forward um, similar issues and problems have arisen again in the performance but hopefully we're not talking about this next week and they can get through so we've got to leave it there that's episode 27 of the Red 70, 78 wrapped up don't forget to get in touch with your thoughts um, about Graham Rountree's appointment, about the performance of the weekend, and we'll get him up on next week's podcast. You can tweet us at Rugby Channel 15 or search for the Rugby Channel on YouTube and leave a comment to make sure you get your podcast straight to your phone every week. Just search for the Red 78 and press subscribe. Okay, Spurs won as well, so I better acknowledge that. And uh, we got a, we got a draw against City, so... Uh, You're still you, in with a shout. You have a weekend off this weekend, have you? Uh, we've camped this weekend, yeah. We've camped. camped. Okay, so, good luck yeah. with that. And Thanks uh, very we'll much. talk to you next week. That's great. Thanks, man. The Monster Rugby Podcast. Red 78 with Alan Quinlan and Neil Briggs. Nobody knows Monster Rugby better.